0: Now, I want to tell you about something. I have had one of the greatest 48 hours of my life. Uh, yesterday, I had the privilege to be here on our campus, and uh, I pulled up uh, about 8, 10. And first of all, as every Saturday, there was a host of Mount members getting the yards beautiful for us to enjoy when we drove up this morning. And so they were, I was dodging zero-turn lawnmowers and not wanting to get hit in the head with a hoe or whatever. But, but uh, that's a normal Saturday, all right? But this was an unusual Saturday when we had two-thirds of our parking lots were filled with cars at that time of the morning. Well, I, I'm getting old, but I knew it wasn't Sunday. But I did know, and the, and the reason I came yesterday, we had one of the most incredible seven hours in this building that I have ever experienced in my life. Let me tell you what happened. A lot of people find out these kind of things, the good news too late. But uh, yesterday, uh, the Harris County District Attorney, uh, Devin Anderson, along with Judge Delgado, who is a member of Sagemont, and our local judge, gathered here with a host of attorneys judges and people that are involved with the district attorney's office and tuesday we did a, a a press conference here and everyone in precinct two and precinct eight were invited to come to what they called and i love this make it right make it right now here's what happened the folks that accepted the invitation to come make it right with all kinds of violations from uh, criminal mischief, criminal trespass, minors consuming or possessing alcohol, minors in possession of tobacco, parents contributing to non-attendance of their kids in school, uh, failure to ID, failure to appear at court, drug paraphernalia, public intoxication, disorderly conduct, theft of less than $100, the district attorney's office agreed to forgive their trespass if they would come. And, uh, and listen, yeah, amen. And a thousand people came with charges against them. I wish you could have stood by my side and watched what happened here yesterday. When I arrived, the district attorney was going down the aisle because the line had already extended outside. And she had to leave in about an hour. And I walked into a building that was filled with, yes, government employees that were so full of love and so happy and so encouraging to the thousand people that came that were afraid to get out in public, afraid they might get whatever the charge might be. And they came in this building and their lives were transformed in a matter of about an hour. Let me tell you about this altar. This is the best place to illustrate it. From that baptistry across here, all the way over to where the television camera uh, tripod is, there were desks. And there were people sitting at these desks with white shirts, like our VIPs wear the red ones. Theirs were light blue, okay? And this was the first line of attack. In other words, they came in that door and they had to identify themselves and so forth. And these people were the most beautifully anointed people to love folks that are hurting that I ever saw in my life. It wasn't what I was accustomed to in a lot of government places I've been where you sort of get on their nerves when you walk in the door, you know? And, uh, And these people... They would come in there, and they would send them down, and every person, when they got one free, they'd say, you know, come on down. You know, that smile on their face, you know, I want to help you, I want to help you. Not like I need to go out and take a 30-minute break, you know, because I've been here for 30 minutes, and I need to take a break, you know. <laughs> but these people came down here, and I, after the district attorney met them, I stood back here, and I started with about the, probably the 150th person and I've met every person who came in this building. Here's what I said to them. I said, my name is John Morgan. I'm pastor of the Sagemont Church. And on behalf of our church, we just want to welcome you here. And uh, I'm not with the DA's office. <laughs> and, uh, I, but I said, I'm going to tell you something. This is real. And what you're going to experience, you're going to be so glad you came. And when you go out, I want you to be happier than that Duck Dynasty bunch. I said, I want you to have at least four happy, 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 happies, all right? Because they're gonna make your day when, when you come in. And they did, folks. They did. They loved on those people, and they were from every part of life, and they went out of here with a spring in their step and a joy in their heart. Because some of those that got tickets when they were 16, now they're 19, and they're still on the books, were forgiven and all their offenses were forgiven. Now, these are all, and it says so here on the flyer, minor offenses, okay? So, make it right yesterday. So, today's sermon is going to be Make It Right, Part 2. And I'm going to talk to you about all the stuff they couldn't forgive here yesterday that you can get forgiven before you go out of here today because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, not just civil (laughs) sins and criminal trespassing, but all sins. And when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. But I just want to say thank you to our district attorney and her wonderful staff. You, if you would have taken our VIPs, that's our folks with the red shirts, give them a blue shirt, they could have been twins, all right? They had that kind of love. And the people that checked, the security people here, they need to go out to Hobby Airport and teach the people out there how you're supposed to, t- to treat human beings. You know what I'm talking about? And they, they made those people feel so special. Like as they were searching them, I'm searching you so you'll be safe. You know, and I don't know how you put all that together. But anyway, that's the way it worked out because they were saying, we're so glad you're here and you're going to be glad that you came. And so the Lord just was so, so good. Now, here's my point, and I'm going to preach. I'm glad those people came to the altar, a thousand of them yesterday for minor offenses. But you realize how hard it is to people to come to the altar today to have eternal forgiveness? Can you imagine what it's like if what happened yesterday in a civil area would happen in a spiritual area and people would come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord who not only was crucified on a Friday but rose on a Sunday morning And he is willing to forgive us of our total, all of our trespasses and all of our sin. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? At the end of the service today, I'm going to invite you that want to, and nine did in the first service, came to this altar and left here, born again Christians, saved by the blood of Jesus. And set free totally. And I've just met every one of them out here in the foyer. And I'm telling you, folks, they're floating on air. They were high yesterday, but they're up in the altitude now. They need oxygen mask. They are so thrilled because, folks, that's what Christianity is. It doesn't capture you and hold you a prisoner. It sets you free. You're already in chains. You're already in bondage. I don't care how old you are. And in our service yesterday, uh, the, uh, earlier, we baptized a senior adult couple that have been bowling with our bowling bunch, okay? And for months, they've been bowling with them. And for months, the whole bowling teams, about 50 of them in the whole league, have been witnessing to this beautiful senior adult couple. And they were baptized by Dr. Jim Hastings. And I anointed the Bible study team. They are our Holy Rollers. (laughs) Now, that's gonna be their class name, the Holy Rollers, all right? (laughs) Because they, yes are awesome. Now I want you to look in your Bible. We're going to move real fast, but I want you to pay close attention. See, God's put his church on a mission. A lot of us don't know what our mission is. We think our mission is to have services. I want you to know if this, if the people are members of this church can go to heaven by attending meetings, you got it made because we have on our calendar over 5,000 meetings in this building every year. So if you're hundred percent in attendance, you home free, I guess. But that's not what a church is for. We're not here to have meetings. We're here to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. But we are here in biblical language to let your light so shine before men that they will see the good works, but they'll glorify the father, which is in heaven. And God has put us on a mission. He told us to go into the world with the good news of the gospel baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe the things that I command. And he says, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. That's Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20. What, that's called the Great Commission because it's for the whole world that the blood of Jesus cleanses from every sin. He says, I will bury them in the bottom of the sea, and I will remember them no more. The word gospel means good news. It means good news. And our sins nailed Jesus to a cross in Jerusalem, but just a few yards away on on Sunday from the grave, he arose. Yesterday, the people were mesmerized by the cross and I got the privilege to show a lot of them the empty tomb. I wanted them to see it didn't stop on Friday. It went through Sunday morning. If some of you don't know anything about what happened on Sunday and you're hooked up on Friday, you need to have a good weekend and go to Sunday morning because he is risen as he said. Now, if he is risen as he said, then that means he's who he said he was. If he's who he said he was, he is the righteous judge. Righteousness comes from the word right. You know, do right. Righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. But what's happened is we have offended God by by neglecting to uh, uh, come to his son Jesus and we've refused to come to the cross. We want to do our, our own thing. And so as a result of that, most are still in bondage. They still need to break through. But as of now, they have not been able to do so. But our assignment is to carry the good news that Jesus died for sinners and that all have sinned, but all can be forgiven if they come to the blood of Jesus. So this morning, I want you to listen for just a few moments to something real important from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. This is a Sermon on the Mount. Now, listen to this. It's talking to believers. It says, you're the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its savor, wherewith will it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. You, talking about believers, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives its light to all of those that are in the house. And then the key verse is verse 16. And that is, let your light so shine before men that they'll see the good works, but they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. Now, here's what the scripture says. Follow this quickly, but it's very simple. Young people, listen to me carefully. When you become a believer, we are salt and light. We are salt and light. Salt is one of the most stable compounds on earth today. Jesus chose to use it. Salt is extremely stable, Stable and on its own, it does not use, lose its saltiness. And the only way it can is to become contaminated by the chemicals of this world that can take it and dilute it. And that's what's happened to a lot of us. We become diluted by the things of this world. However, when salt is in its purest form, it will add flavor and it'll preserve anything it touches. <laughs> Have you noticed how people oftentimes will go out and eat and, they, and, uh, and the people put the food down and they'll quickly say to the wait- waitress, if they don't see a salt shaker, could you bring me some salt? They had even tasted it. All they know is salt changes things and it always changes it for the better, you know? So they want a little salt on it, all right? Now, we are salt. Now, salt can irritate too, you know, especially in a broken uh, wound open wound, but our our responsibility is give light in darkness and then preserve the truth of God's word, the message of the gospel, and let God do what only God can do. God wants not only to save people, but he gives us eternal life. He preserves us until the day he comes again. And he promises us that he will protect us and walk with us if truly we will trust him as our Lord and as our Savior. Now, no Christian becomes effective until that person is distinctly different from the world. You can't be of the world and like the world and expect to impact the world. You have to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus, we sing, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like Him. Well, what was Jesus' strength? He was full of love, He humbled Himself, He was willing to be persecuted if necessary, but He never wavered because He had come to do the will of the Father. And when he did the will of the Father, when he was baptized, the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When he came to the cross, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, Father, but thine be done. And of course, it was his will for him to die. But then again, on Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, in what agreement has a temple of God with idols? Our body's a temple of God. Now, now listen to this. And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them. I'll walk in them. I'll be their God. And they'll be my people. Where, wherefore, come out from among them. Talking about the world. Be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then I will, what? Receive you. Oh, if you haven't been hugged by God, you just need a good hugging today. Not from anybody. You need it from God. You need to get somewhere and just be still and know that he's God. If you haven't felt important recently, you look at your hands and you'll be looking at hands like nobody else's. You look in the mirror, for better or for worse, there's nobody like you. (laughs) We just happen to know that God is so creative. He makes every one of us at his time and his place and puts us where he wants us to be. And he says, now... I want you to be salt, church. I want you to be light. I want you to make certain that what you touch is better because you touched it. And I felt yesterday being in this building was a major touch of the love of God because this building belongs to God. And everybody knows that. And I told the folks that this place is paid for and their mouth got that big. Said, oh. And I said, and we don't pass the offering place, oh. you know, I thought we we're gonna have to open our clinic back over here just to bring them some oxygen out to them. But it's so beautiful when God said, you remember in, the, in Genesis 1, and he said, let there be what? Light, light, that's us. But he was talking, we know about physical light, but here's the deal. There's two kinds of lights. There's sun and there's what at night? moon now what's the difference the moon doesn't put out any light the moon is a reflection of the sun you agree with that scientists that that's real deep stuff isn't it okay now think with me now we reflect jesus we don't want people looking at us we want to look at the son son be born again and then we want to be reflection of the son of god as he is that's what we want to be in this life So any changes that you notice in your life, and I've noticed a lot in my life that I'm working on, uh, need to be made. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like him. Great, great thought. Not only, again, are we to be light, but we are also to be salt. God said it from the beginning, let there be light. Colossians 1, 13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Out of the world's darkness, the light comes and we are able to make our paths clear. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were sometimes darkness, but now, listen to this, you are the light of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Now that's to a church in Ephesus. Paul wrote it, that, and he said very clearly that you need to walk as children of light because you are children of light Looking, listen to 1 Peter 2, 9 but you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light you know what anybody that just loves to be in the dark something wrong with them God did not make us, uh, we need spiritual flashlights. We need a way to find our way around. We need something that will bring light into this world in which we live. And the people of this world are in spiritual darkness. If you go back in the 15th and 16th centuries, there was a catchphrase. And that catchphrase was, knowledge brings light. Knowledge does not bring light. Knowledge reflects light. In other words, you see the light and then you begin to build your thoughts and knowledge around the light, that who is the light of the world. But knowledge gives us the ability to analyze. God doesn't want us to stay ignorant. He will stand the close up test. He says, Search for me. And if you'll look for me, you'll find me if you'll search with me, for me with all of your heart. God's not afraid for you to give Him the hard questions. He may ask you back, well, what do you think? You might want to say, well, I want to know what you think first. <laughs> because you might get yourself in trouble. Of course, he knows what you're going to say before you ever ask it, so you just move it on, on, along the road. But in 1 Corinthians 1, 19, listen to this scripture. For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I'll bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3, 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, For it's written, he takes the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they're vain. Here's what Jesus said, John 8, 12. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but in the light of life. Folks, this is not deep stuff. You don't have to know the Greek and the Hebrew to understand what I'm sharing to myself and to you this morning. God is very, very simple. He's the way, the truth, and the life. All we do is follow him. He directs a path. He brings the light where we need light. He brings understanding where we don't understand. He said, if any man doesn't know, ask of me, and I will guide you. Wow, and makes no charges for his services. We're not the light. Again, we reflect the light. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. that passage, know you not that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. You know what the answer to that question is? Most people that say they're Christians don't know that. Let me read it again. Know you not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Does the people that know you best know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do they sense the love that you have for them? In the very simple things of life, How does it go? Because Jesus said, this is who you are. The world is in darkness, they need to see me and I want you to show them me. So now I wanna ask you this and especially if you're a young person, how are you forming your view of God? I hear all of these things in his talk today about how this generation worldview is different from the last generation and the last one from the one before that. Let me tell you something. I'm not after a worldview to follow in any direction. I am looking for a Savior who has all knowledge, all power, is eternal, forgives of every trespass, and I want to follow Him. And what the world thinks, I am told clearly in the Holy Scripture, is not God's way. And if everybody's doing it, you can mark it down biblically, you better not be following that way. If you just simply say, I'm always with the biggest bunch, be careful. Understand, God loves you, but he wants you to follow him. He wants to clear the record with his blood, but he doesn't clear it until you confess it and repent of it and then follow him Then the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. And then when it gets too deep or too tough, God says, my grace is sufficient and nothing is too hard for me. And if the devil's after you, just step aside and come back in a few minutes and it'll be okay because he won't win because I own you. When somebody steals your purse, the purse can't do anything about it. But when the devil tries to steal one of God's kids, he does a lot about it. And when you take that position, that he that's in me is stronger than he is in the world, you're on the right track. And the quicker you can learn that, the better it's going to be. What do you think? If you're a doubter this morning, if Jesus is not the way, what do you think will free you from the punishment of God's wrath? If you willfully and stubbornly reject the simple love of God. What are you going to turn to? Now, I'm sure yesterday when some of those folks went out of here and they were all happy, 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 and I'm sure some of them are so happy they stopped by a beer joint, got drunk, and probably have got a warrant out for their arrest this morning, you know. (laughs) I mean, that's just the way the world does it, right? You know, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Let's go drunk. Go get drunk and celebrate. How about that? Well, everybody's doing it, so why don't we jump on board? Why? Because he that's in you, It's greater than he is in the world. And he grabs you and says, whoa, come out from among them. Be separate. I got plans for you and my plans are better than their plans. Don't follow them. You follow me. That's what the commitment is. Every generation of young people, every one of us, when we were young, the young people today, every generation of young people has to deal with what they believe about Christianity. And the worldview is not the biblical view. But you have to decide, who is Jesus? Is he the son of God? Is he coming back again? Is the Bible the word of God? You say, well, most of my professors don't think so. That's a pretty good sign that it is true then. Because if most of anybody you know believes something else that's contrary to the book, you better go with the book. That's where the real stuff is. Never has there been a generation that has had to deal with such sophisticated weapons as this generation is. It is unbelievable. Young people, God bless you. I pray for you every day. I got up at 2:30 this morning. I'm not bragging, yeah, I am bragging about it because I don't get up at 2:30 in the morning. I'm bragging about it. I got up at 2:30 this morning. But I was just praying after my experience yesterday, because it was an awesome experience here. I was just saying, oh, God, please, please let our young people, the best that the world's ever produced, let them see the truth. Let them deliver us from this bondage. We can't go any deeper. Your parents and your parents' parents have led down the trail. We've repented. We need, we need as a group of believers to turn to God and say, have mercy on us, God save our land, heal our land, bring our families back together, make the church what it ought to be. That's what we ought to be praying about. And the world's not going to help you do that. It's not going to help you do that. And so today, we make fun of people that want to live for God. That's always happened, but not not, not more than it is today. Our young people, they're made fun of, rejected. I saw some of that, but not like they're seeing it today. And folks... We've got to be salt and light. We've got to keep the light shining. We've got to stand firm in the power of His might, and we've got to watch and see what God chooses today to, to, do, to do. Today, people attend church, but they don't want to be committed to being the church. They don't want to be the church. They want to attend the church. They want to attend for an hour, hour and a half, go home, come back and attend. That's not what Christianity is all about. And many churches, many churches have attempted to be creative and they've lost the sight of the creator. We've got to be extremely careful. If if Paul, the apostle, were preaching at Sagemont today, he might say something like this to the young generation and the senior adults. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. We look through a different sight. We walk in a different direction. Our goals are totally different from the goals of this world. He must increase and we must decrease. But the data of today is so abundant and comes from so many directions, it is very difficult for young people to know what to believe and what not to believe. And what to follow and what not to follow. It's a big battle, and we need to continually bathe our students in prayer. They go off to college as well as when they go to the first grade. How many people have you seen in the last 12 months in the world you live in that have been changed, totally changed, by the power of God? I've seen a bunch in the last 14 days. Well, let me close here. Joshua said, if it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, he told his people, then choose who you're going to serve. Were the gods your fathers served which were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? But Joshua said to the whole world and to his family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. End of story. End of story. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, in order... To make things right, you got to admit things are wrong. So, right now, we're going to begin an invitation. If you're here today and you could honestly say to God, I'm a sinner. God, you know my life. You know what I think, what I do. You know my background. You know what's going on now. And I don't want to make any excuses, God. People came in here yesterday. Nobody was making an excuse. No, that was left outside. They came in here wanting to get set free. And they did get set free. God doesn't want your excuse. He wants your allegiance. All he wants you to say to him, I am guilty. And then the blood of Jesus comes and cleanses you from every sin. But as long as you're as good as everybody else, you're a long way from understanding the Bible. Come as you are. Come like you are now, but leave like he wants you to be. There were some came in here yesterday that couldn't be helped because their offense was greater than what this event was to forgive. I'm here to tell you this morning, no one can bring to this altar anything in your life That is an unforgivable sin unless you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit and told the Holy Spirit, get out of my life, God, and don't come back again. The Bible says the day can come, it's called the unpardonable sin of the Bible, when for the last time the Holy Spirit will ever convict you about becoming a Christian. And when that happens, it won't be on your timetable any longer. When you tell God for the last time, God, I don't care if you did send your only son, the most valuable thing you could send to die for my sin, I am not going to follow you now, maybe later. The God says, he that hardeneth his neck, having often been reproved, shall suddenly be cut off, and that without remedy. I must warn you of that unpardonable sin, because everything else can be forgiven. Not tomorrow, not six weeks, not probation, but instantaneously, you can be born again.